2: And welcome to Series Linked, in association with Paddy Power. I'm TV journalist Emma Bullymore, and as ever, I'm joined by Mark Jeffries from The Mirror. On this week's podcast, we are joined by television royalty in the form of the one and only Imelda Staunton. And of course, me and Jeffers will be leaving you with some top Teddy tips for the week ahead. You're listening to Series Linked, the podcast for TV fans, by TV fans. all right, Jeffers? How are you doing?
3: Yeah, I'm really good. I must admit, I was a little bit nervous this week. when We've pre-recorded this interview and I was a bit nervous when we did it. Well, I don't know how you felt, but it's a big show his name, isn't it?
2: I mean, Imelda Staunton has been in so many brilliant things, never gives anything less than an incredible performance. It was slightly intimidating. Not that, you know, Carl Pilkington is any less of a great. I was also slightly nervous talking to him. Uh, but it's just because she's so, you know, she's been in so many incredible things.
3: And since we've done the chat, she has been announced. She is definitely 100% going to be in The crane, which is uh, very exciting as well.
2: Yeah, but they're only taking it up to Series 5. People thought it was going to go to Series 6. People were upset that it's not going to cover Harry and Meg and all that stuff. But that was always going to be the case, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, I think uh, the writer, Peter Morgan, always envisaged ending it before it got to kind of modern day. He said that a couple of years ago. He's cutting it one series short. That's the big surprise. But I think his issue was he didn't really want to be talking about current events. Lots of people that are still alive and... I guess then it could become a debate and the actual
2: nightmare yeah
3: and the actual characters could get asked about it kind of when they're at events so I think it's probably the right thing to do and also to be honest with you you can wait 10 years 15 years and you can always bring it back and do a couple of series then so I think it's probably the right thing to do
2: okay well let's get into our chat with Imelda she was chatting to us principally about her new drama coming to ITV Flesh and Blood Uh, but we covered loads of stuff here she is the brilliant Imelda Staunton So maybe start off by telling us a bit about Flesh and Blood and what it was about it that made you fancy doing this role. Well, I received
1: four scripts, and I think with most scripts, you can tell by page sort of five if you want to keep going. And of course, I whipped through the first episode. Oh, I whipped through the second. And so you go, right, we're off. And that's what you want, And because it's been described as not a thriller as such, but it's um, who done what. I think I've got all my my grammar right there. So you knew what you were going to get into, but then you didn't. So that was good for me.
2: There is a real sadness about your character and a loneliness, but there's also kind of delicious busybodiness about her. She looks like a real gem to play.
1: Mm. Oh, no, it, it is. And, you know, thank you, Sarah Williams, for writing an interesting part, not just the boring neighbour next door, which she might be a little bit of that, but she's other things as well. And it's, that's what you want. You just want interesting characters to play who, as I say, I think the most interesting thing is you think they're one thing. Now, they might be. Well, they might not, you know. So it it isn't necessarily. Oh, you think I'm this, but I'm not. You cannot figure it out, and that's what I like. The audience can't figure out what's happening and what this character is.
3: And the other thing I think the writer's done really well is the portrayal of all the older characters in this. It feels like that might be a growing theme. Do you feel like the characters are improving on television for those sort of older characters?
1: Um, Well, I think that it's grown-up drama. Not everything has to be for 19-year-olds, made by them, starring them, and we have an ageing population. Well, just let's make some programmes that people want to watch. Now, and I like that this is a bit thrilling, and it's not the police. We're not in a gangland of anywhere, but we're also not in Beatrix Potter-type... Soft focus world. It isn't like anything I think we've seen
2: before. Had you worked with Francesca before?
1: Well, we didn't work together, but we were both in Cranford back in 2007, whatever. So, although we didn't do anything together, so uh, it's been, it was really lovely to work with her. I just think she's so brilliant, and we had a really, really
3: nice time. What was it like being a nosy neighbour? I don't imagine you at home have being be that sort of character.
1: Yeah, well, that's what's <laughs> quite, quite, quite nice about it. You know, you get to be something that you're hopefully not. Yeah, it's really nicely written and it's funny. And It was interesting because um, people watched it today you know, with an audience. Of course, when you're at home, you're just watching it on your own. And I think with an audience, you know, the people were laughing and people were... So it, it's funny and, and a bit odd and you're not quite sure. And I think it's just, you know, you're, you're not on a, a sure footing with this, which is nice. I mean, I love watching the, this sort of thing where you think... What? What's? Why is? Oh, I know. I know. Oh nope. I know. I don't know. Okay. Right. So I, I love that as well.
2: And the quality of TV just in the last ten <sighs> years has changed incredibly. Yeah. What, what do you make of it? Because obviously you're hugely respected in theatre and you wouldn't need to do TV projects if you didn't want to. What, what do you think?
1: I do want to. <laughs> uh, please, thank you. Um, uh, no, I do. Uh, well, I think it's, it's fantastic. And I think, you know, to be in television now, whatever age you are, it's rich territory that we're in now, Thankfully. Because the standard is so good, we have to keep getting better. We can't come in under. You want to keep striving. You've got to, that's good, we can't churn out this. We've got to really up our game. And I think anything that makes you know, stretches you and demands things of you, be it a writer, a director, a photographer, whatever, is a good thing.
3: And how do you make that choice in terms of theatre or TV? Do you try to sort of mix it up, or is it the best thing that comes in at the time? How do you kind of judge it in terms of your career?
1: Mm, I think a little bit of both, actually. It depends what... If you've done a big bit of theatre, you think, well, I've got to give that a break and do a bit of filming, whatever, and vice versa. But I think when you get a script like this, and last year I did also a confession, you've got two very different projects. I mean, who wouldn't say yes... Please to both of those it just depends on what's gone before
3: we wanted to talk a bit about a confession as well in terms of the two roles and that that helped when you were offered this one just because it was a bit of a contrast between the two characters mary and karen
1: mm. well i mean they're both great projects in their own right so it wasn't like oh i'm looking for something else so i think you know confession is such a you know i feel so proud to have been part of that real events and to try and maybe help the situation and this was an antidote to that i suppose in a way
2: i remember martin freeman talking about how he was haunted by that scene you did together when he told you that your character's daughter died he said it stuck with him i mean how did it stick with you was it difficult
1: i think with all those things you know in, if you're doing it in theater it sticks with you a lot more i knew i geared myself up to that day for what it was going to be and then you do it hopefully to the best of your ability and then it goes You have to let it go. I think if something is very emotional like that, you can't hold on to it because that poor woman you know Karen is living with that every single day so I can't as an actor go oh it was very difficult for me at all so I do the job I hopefully do it as well as I can and then I just move on and do the next
3: thing. How do you let it go do you just try and go home and play some music have a hot bath Are you just try and move on? Or I you- mean
1: I think we did that scene in the morning we had other scenes to do in the afternoon. Wow
3: and would you watch it back when it was on TV?
1: Oh yeah I watched it then but I don't watch it back in, during the day so I didn't go to a screening or anything I just waited till it came on and
3: I think a lot of us are in tears watching some of those scenes. How does it feel for you to watch something so emotional back? Is it difficult or not?
1: Well, no, listen, I, you know, because I, you know, I haven't known about it for the year before and I'd met Karen twice and my job is not to be affected by my acting. I'm watching this whole thing unfold and also watching the whole PACE agreement, all that argument, which is to do with Steve Fulcher, you know, that, that's sort of the stuff that hopefully can be altered.
2: You've done all sorts of incredible things. Are there things still on your to-do list that you think, oh, I'd really like to play someone like this or work with this person? I'd like to work with my daughter, who's an actress.
1: I'd love that. There are so many great bits of writing and directors and all that, so you just go, well, you know, I I can't call the shots. I'll just go, someone asks me to do something, I'll I'll do it, you know. So I've never been that ambitious in, like, having my sights on something in particular. Between last year doing... Downton, a confession, and this, and I've got another project that's coming out later in the year, you know, so that's.
2: Plenty. Interesting that you say about working with your daughter, because obviously you've worked with Jim. Is it fun working with family, or is it a bit strange,
3: blurring the light? Well, we
1: haven't worked together that much, I have to say, with G- uh, we haven't. It's always a thrill going to get in the car together, going to work. Oh, that's lovely,
3: lovely. He said the same thing, actually. I spoke to him about the Downton film. And he said he, you were going to work together, and then I think the closest you were was across no. a very large ballroom no. or something.
1: Well, across the di- that dining table. I was at one end and he was at the other, No, so we di- he didn't even get a stolen look. Isn't it weird? Do you think, well, you know, we we'll go out in the car... Uh, any other day of the week but no just going to work oh oh got yeah a yeah, bit overexcited but i was also as aware i was you know coming into his patch you know i was in his playground the best bit was of course doing all the publicity together mm. so you know you're in the hotel room locking around so that was quite nice because that's quite lonely i think if you're going round you know, abroad and stuff on your own doing that—it's quite lonely.
2: Is it helpful? Do you ever ask each other advice on scripts or jobs or? Or oh, sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll read a script and go, oh, "I think, I think
1: that's." All, can you read that? We do that absolutely. Do that, or unless you know, you go, "No, that's it. I'm doing that,
3: no matter what." So, if you're watching one of your performances together on screen, would you critique each other or not? It must be a strange conversation being married to a fellow actor. Say, if you're watching a confession together, what's it like? Do you sort of ask his opinion or?
1: Not really. I mean, you know, you and it's particularly with a confession, which is such a sensitive thing, you're not really thinking about your performance or stuff like that. So, I think we both felt about confession. It was a really good, good piece of television, of reporting, of sensitive writing that actually just told the story with no sensationalism, no voyeuristic, nothing salacious, and it was just straight down the line. So I think we both agreed on that, whoever had been in it, that it was just a well, well well-crafted piece of work. And what kind of
2: TV do you like watching?
1: We do too many gardening bloody programmes. <laughs> no, we watch them religiously. Uh, we like Succession and, back in the day, Peaky Blinders. And actually, the whole thing about you know, the box set, one we just discovered is Afterlife, Ricky Gervais' Afterlife. We loved that. It's quite nice, all the, all the stuff that's on, oh, my God. So you can't keep up with everything, but we've, we've tried.
2: And it's nice for something like Flesh and Blood, because it leaves you with so many cliffhangers, Mm. if you do binge it, Mm. it's quite satisfying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you need to know what happens next.
3: I think it's going to be one of those that people are going to maybe save it up, watch all four in one go, perhaps.
1: Well, they might do. Yes, I hope so. Because you do really want to know what's happening next. But because, you know, we've all changed the way we watch television, haven't we now? People do binge watch. So um, I dare say they will.
2: And do you find that a lot of the more exciting roles are in TV rather than film now? Do you think there's been a shift there? I think you're
1: absolutely right. It has. And uh, the writing in television. And it's funny, isn't it, with television, because people know the writers. They don't know the writers in film. They always talk about you know the directors in film, but the writers in television, being Jimmy McGovern, be it Jesse Armstrong, you know, it's the writers they talk about in television. And the writer is who anyone should talk about, actually, if it's in the theatre, television or film. That, that's what comes first.
3: And do you think you'll continue looking ahead to mix it up? You'll still do some theatre, some film, TV, whatever the best script is?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm doing a musical this year, so that'll keep me quiet. As long as I can keep challenging myself, that's what I'll try and do.
3: What's the different challenge with the theatre? Obviously, it's every night. Is one easier than the other with TV and theatre? The theatre's the hardest,
1: no doubt. It's absolutely the hardest, even if it's a a musical which I'm doing. I mean, that has its own demands physically, mentally, vocally. You know, you've got to have have such a discipline about all that. Now, you know, for example, you know, that scene in Confession, emotional scene. You know, could I do that every night? You you know, you'd have to think, right, how do I do that with my voice? And, uh, you know, so it's a different challenge, but it's certainly harder, theatre. Film, you can do it and then go. And, move and you've on. got
3: a second take in tv i suppose of course weeks.
1: you have yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely but you, you have to let that go if you think i was really good in that second time we did i was really really good Well, the lighting wasn't right so you have to let it go you can't say well get the lighting but no because it isn't just about you the shot is not just about you it's about the prop the light the costume it's everything and you're just one little bit of the chain so you have to give into that
3: and what would make you keep going back to theatre if it's so difficult? Just just because you like the challenge?
1: Yeah, that's where I started, and that's where I'll you know. And and I think in England our history is theatre, and whether it's you know the great actors, but you know Judy and Maggie and Ian McKellen, you know, theatre is 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 the big muscle that we have used all our lives, um, and you want to keep that muscle exercised. I don't want to keep doing theatre like I. You know, I think I'll do this musical. I think that might be it for theatre for a couple of years, maybe. But it's still, if a great play comes along, you think, oh, I've got to do that now. Yeah, it's it's very very uh, nice to be in this sort of position.
2: Well, it's interesting you talk about the greats of Judy and Maggie. People put you in that category. You I know, don't think so. yeah, They do.
3: They and do. I was <laughs> going to interrupt. I didn't want to interrupt. Of course, yeah.
1: No, you said, well, I don't. So, well, you, you wouldn't <laughs> because you're modest. But it,
2: it must be interesting as you go through your career and start to. No, feel a a shift maybe and the kind of things you're offered and the way people see you
1: yes I mean that's true and of course you know now my generation's getting older so for example I mean Judi Dench was you know our greatest actress before she did Shakespeare in Love Mm -hmm. so and then it up to gear again Mm -hmm. so and and we think it up to gear but it was you know as she said I've been on I was on screen for eight minutes and got an Oscar and then it just shifts something it doesn't shift the actor she is it just people's perception, so you don't change it's what people think about you, and you have no control over that whatsoever, so you know you might think you're the greatest thing, but they might not, and vice versa. All you can do is just keep doing just doing the job and and I think we're lucky in this country, probably more than America because you can do radio, television, film, theater, you know we really have got that at our fingertips all over England, which I still think they struggle with in America. And that, you know, the screen is all. And as we said, it's fantastic. This last ten years on television is just is gold. And so if you can, you know, hop into there for a bit, it's rather it's luxurious to be able to do that. For example, with something like Downton Abbey, you know, that's sort of been a game changer for a lot of those people and given a lot of people a lot of pleasure. And I think something like Flesh and Blood, it's not a police thing. It's not a great, you know, it's not horrible. but, But it's also not really ordinary. So you're just not quite sure what it is. And that's intriguing.
2: Thanks to Imelda, Flesh and Blood starts on ITV on Monday, the 24th of February and runs right through the week on ITV. Of course, you can catch it on the ITV Hub as well. Time now to welcome back Amy Jones from Paddy Power, who's here with the latest odds to help us predict the future of the small screen. Hiya, Amy. Hello, how are you? I'm well, thank you. So what have you got for us today, Amy? The mass Singer, everybody's favourite. I know, it was the final at the weekend. Nicola Roberts won not a massive shock that it was Nicola Roberts I think we all kind of knew that
4: it's already been commissioned for series two so what have you been looking at for us I've gone really wild and this I have a confession I've actually never seen a full episode I'm sort of jealous that you've got the whole thing still to watch well the thing is it's one of those I've been every time it's come up on my Twitter I've been like getting a little bit hooked slowly by like, what is this is this real life so what I've done is I've priced up who is going to be on it there's a big list here and I've got a little tip as well of who Ooh. I think is going to be on it go for it okay well my tip bear with me on this one, is Tyson Fury. Okay, I'm bearing with you. <laughs> that is because he sang a few times after his fights. He's just done the ITV documentary. He's, well, he's in the middle of it now. It's, it's on air now. Massively well known. He'd be a complete wild card. Tyson Fury's eight to one. Eight to one? Mm. So that's worth a little bet, I reckon. Yeah, the traders don't agree with me, clearly, because it's eight to one. But <laughs> I've kind of convinced myself now, because like, he's known for these singing performances after his fights. He's obviously a huge sports person. He'll have a couple of fights this year. It's kind of on everybody's mind. And the point is to have someone surprising and he's already got a relationship with ITV. Yeah, okay, exactly, I
2: see that. Exactly, yeah.
4: And he's like six, eight, so he'd be huge in the suit as well, wouldn't he? He's like the biggest mass singer ever. That would be amazing. I wonder if Rita Rura would actually... Uh, know who he
2: is probably not she doesn't seem to know how many of them are when do we think it's coming back they haven't they've commissioned Series 2 but they haven't said anything what's the bookies thoughts on this
4: so this was really interesting when I spoke to our traders about this one we've got it as odds on 1 to 6 that it will replace X Factor this year so it'll come back in autumn time and there'll be no X Factor
2: so two series of it in one year. Mm.
4: Bold. Give the people what they want, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> what are the odds that x Factor will even come back at all? Surprisingly short, because I feel like x Factor is one of those things that's just constantly there. It's four to one that it never returns to TV in the UK.
2: Four to one? Yeah, that's pretty short. I reckon so, yeah. Okay, so what else have you been looking at in terms of who might be on The Mars Singer?
4: So obviously after Nicola won, we've been looking at whether there'll be another member of Girls Aloud and who it will be, and also the odds of a Girls Aloud reunion this year. Okay. Which is quite exciting. So the odds of a reunion are 33 to 1. Not likely, even though there has been a couple of whispers, but not very likely. And we've got Nadine Coyle as the 6th 4 favourite to be the member in Girls Aloud in the next series, which I could see happening.
2: Yeah, she's done I'm a Celebrity... She wants to do more singing and she never gets enough opportunities. I can totally see that.
4: Yeah, it's just that if she spoke in her accent, everyone straight away would be like, that's Nadine Coyle.
2: (laughs) But (laughs) you can't tell. They're all muffled. Oh, yeah, true.
4: Well, they are, aren't they, to some some degree? I can tell a little bit. Who else have we got? Any member of Take That? Unsurprisingly, again, Robbie the favourite. He's odds on he's 10 to 11. Gary Barlow, 2 to 1. Again, I could see a member of Take That.
2: I think that's surprisingly short, though. Two to one. That makes it sound really likely he's going to be on it, which I don't necessarily
4: think he would. (laughs) No, true. But of the Take That members, them two are the most likely. Okay. And then I think with this one, this is interesting, and there would definitely be one of these names, footballers, particularly ex footballers and ex football managers. There's gonna be another Teddy Sheringham was in this one. Harry Redknapp is actually the favourite. He's five to six. He's got a bit of connections with ITV. I have no idea if he can sing, but then how many footballers can? Yeah, I'm not sure Teddy Sheringham was known for his
2: voice. Well exactly. <laughs>
4: and then there's a couple of interesting ones here. So there's John Barnes, he obviously did the rap in World in Motion in the England song. I could see that Six to one, whether they'd have him rapping on it, I don't know, but I'm willing to. I'm willing to see it. I could see he'd be up for it. Yeah, exactly. There's Razor Ruddock, he's four to one. He was on Harry's Heroes, which is on ITV, so they could kind of just give him a call up and say, Come on. There's other names, there's bigger names, probably like Gary Neville, he's 16 to one. Jamie Carragher, 20 to one. I couldn't see that. I feel like they'd see themselves as too kind of cool for it. Some interesting ones in Peter Cech, the Arsenal Chelsea keeper, he's 20 to one. He I've drums. never heard of him. Well, he's a drummer on YouTube. Okay. So it's kind of like musical. There is some link there. Can't really see it happening, but who knows? If I've never heard of him, Rita Ora's definitely never heard of him. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm not sure have sure got to we we go We've got to be going, I think, Harry Redknapp, Razor Ruddock, that kind of area. Yeah, I reckon. Peter Crouch, he's everywhere. He's all over the TV. I could see that. He's five to one.
2: He'd be great. He would be tall. Yeah, it would either be him or Richard Osman in the suit, and that, yeah. would, that would be the discussion for the yeah. whole thing.
4: Put, put him next to Tyson Fury and got no guess, <laughs> basically. And what about soap stars? Yeah, so what we've done here is we've done Coronation Street specifically, and we've also done the odds of any soap star to be on the next series. Unsurprisingly, really short. That's odds on again. That's one to two. So we're pretty much banking that there will be one. The favourite, unsurprisingly, is Kirk Sutherland, Andy Wyman. He's been in the jungle. He's six to four. He went to my school. yeah there's a there's a little is that what you need to be on the most (laughs) yeah here's here's the top tip i'm gonna be on it i'm the worst thing i'm going so yeah he's the favorite there's also lucy fallon slash bethany platt she's two to one fizz is four to one i could definitely see that Oh, i could totally see that i feel like it's got to be if it's a soap star somebody who's iconic who kind of like everybody knows even if they don't watch soaps. maybe ken barlow could do it 50 to one but (laughs) but i would love to see that I think I'd pay the 50 to 1
0: just to see. Join Ruby Walsh, Tom Nugent and Paddy Power on their racing podcast, From the Horse's Mouth, as they build up to the 2020 Cheltenham Festival each week. New episodes every Friday.
2: You're listening to Series Linked. Make sure you subscribe to the channel for the biggest TV interviews and to stay on top of all the best shows on the box. Click subscribe, takes two seconds. That's almost it for this episode of Series Linked. But we can't let you go without a couple of telly tips from myself and Jeffers. What's caught your eye, Jeffers?
3: I'm just going to go a bit old school here. I just want to remind people that these things still exist, I guess, essentially. Tomorrow night, Friday night, we've got the return of Gogglebox. Just think it's a really solid programme to watch. I know lots of people like it. So I think that's definitely worth a watch. It's a nice, easy, relaxing thing, quite funny. And then last night, we also had First Dates. That's just come back for a new series as well. These programmes, they're worth kind of storing up. And just when you want something that's not too serious, you don't want to watch a documentary or a drama and think about lots of plot, they're they're sort of the perfect antidote to that. So they're both really good Channel 4 staples. What about you? What have you gone for this week?
2: Well, I'm recommending a comedy with one of the former friends. So that's all you need to know. You'll watch it because, you know, that sounds great. David Schwimmer is in this thing called Intelligence, which is about a spy. It's very tongue-in-cheek. It's funny. It's, you know, again, it's not going to be... Something that's going to win tons of BAFTAs, but I think it's going to be very enjoyable. All episodes are available from tomorrow on Now TV. I think it's just an easy binge for a Friday night. David Schwimmer, always reliably excellent. The premise reminds me of they did a programme called Spy with Darren Boyd and Robert Lindsay that I thought was severely underrated. So I wonder if this is Sky just having another go at that kind of comedy spy angle. But I'm looking forward to this.
3: Sounds like a good one.
2: Okay then, brilliant. Thanks, Jeffers. That's all we've got time for, I'm afraid. This has been the Series Linked Podcast in association with Paddy Power. If you've enjoyed the podcast, and we really hope you have, go on, leave us a five-star rating and a quick review. It would really mean the world to us. And make sure you've subscribed as well so you can catch the next episode when it drops on Thursday morning. For now, though, bye-bye.
3: See you later.